We are in the middle of a series here called Why Church? So I want to ask you, why do you attend church? Why do you attend church? So, you know, we, we've been doing this series based on two premises, two premises here. First, God wants you to grow in your faith. Now, that might seem pretty obvious that God wants you to grow, but I know plenty of people who have attended church for years and have not grown at all. My guess is you might know a few people like that as well. That God wants so much more than just church attendance. He wants you to grow in Christ-likeness, grow in your faith. So that's the first premise that this series is based on, that God wants you to grow. The second premise this, this series is based on is that church community is the best soil for spiritual growth. Church community, the right church, is the best soil for spiritual growth. You can try to grow in other ways. You can, try, you, can, you can grow by watching sermons online, reading books, listening to Christian music. Any of that you, you can try to grow, but none of that will be as good, as effective, as strong as the right church. So church community, <coughs> excuse me, a church, church community is the best soil for spiritual growth. So those two are where we start with. Okay? So if you're not sure you buy into those, that's all right. That's all right. Listen along and, and see what some of the implications of those two premises look like around here at River Life. Well, last week, I introduced you to something that I called the four ways to grow at River Life. The four ways to grow at River Life. They are attend more than you miss, connect in a life group, serve on a ministry team, and tell others. These aren't new ideas. These are, these are God's ideas. These were established in Scripture and described in Scripture long before we here at River Life ever came up with this. So it's not like this is new. This is God's idea. This is God's plan for you as a part of a church body. Okay. So, so last week we talked about the first two questions or the, the first two ways to grow. Attend more than you miss and connect in a life group. And we came out of that with two questions. If you weren't here last week, you can catch up. All of our sermons are online, riverlifemn.com sermons. You can catch up. You can play it on your phone as well. Watch on the, your laptop, whatever you like, okay? But we, we left it with two questions. First, do you attend service more than you miss? It's a pretty simple measure, isn't it? If you call River Life your home church, do you attend service more than you miss? I mean, what, what's the alternative? You miss more than you attend? <laughs> like, who wants that? And that's hardly what being part of a church community is. So the first is, do you attend more than you miss? The second question is, are you involved in a life group? Have you joined a life group? And I know a lot of you have, but I know a lot of you haven't. And so we're actually going to give you an opportunity to join a life group for just a few months. And then if you don't like it, you can jump ship. That's all right. We won't be offended. And at the end of the service, um, my wife before is going to come up. She's going to tell you a little bit more about that. But we want to give you an opportunity to join a life group for just a few months. Okay? So now for some of you, one of those two, first two things is your next step. We're going to talk a lot around here about what's your next step to grow because God wants you to grow. Remember that. God wants you to grow. And what helped you grow a year ago 
might not be helping you grow as much now. You might need a little bit more. So what is your next step? Well, today, we're gonna, we, we talked about the first two last week. Today, we're going to talk about the second two. The second two. And to, to kick us off to talk about the, the number three, I'm actually going to have my wife, Pavola, come up here and tell you about that. Thank you, Greg. Good morning, River Life. So 12 years ago, I tore my meniscus, which is that little cartilage between my upper leg and lower leg, right at the knee. I didn't know about it for a year, and so the tear got pretty bad so that we couldn't repair it. So I still have a torn meniscus. So what that means is that my body has to adjust. So I don't wear shorts because you'll see that my right leg is much more muscular than my left leg. And so we're kind of like that, like my meniscus. We're really important to the rest of the body, and we may not even realize it. So today we're going to talk about, or I'm going to share with you about what it looks like to serve on a ministry team and why. Okay. We have various ministry teams that help make River Life happen on a Sunday as well as every day of the week. And there are many ways to serve or to, to help out. Uh, just to name a few, we have community engagement, like the backpack drive. We have kids men back there and the nursery. You can sign up to, to care for our kids. Uh, we have hospitality. If you like coffee and you like to hand out coffee to people, there are just so many ways that you can get involved and serve. But why? Why serve? Part of growing is that people give to us and we grow. But some of the biggest growth comes when we give to others and help them grow. And that's what serving is all about. Why serve on a ministry team? Because you make a difference. I want to say that again. You make a difference. And we're going to see that in a little bit here. And today I'm going to just give you two short things to remember about you making a difference. One is that God designed you for the good of the church. And the second point we'll look at is that you are unique and valuable to the church. Okay. So when the church first started, after Jesus went, went back to heaven and, and his believers started to gather together, one of the first problems they had was, I don't really like you, or you're so different from me, or you don't have the talents I do, and, and I have talents you don't have. And they began to compare themselves with each other. And you can imagine the kind of division that happened for the church because of all the diversity that they had as they came together. So we're going to see that in this church called the church at Corinth. It was a town that the Apostle Paul had gone to and he started a church there. He stayed with them for a year and a half and then he left and all these problems began to take place and they wrote him a letter asking him all kinds of questions and then Paul wrote this letter back to them and so the first letter we see is 1 Corinthians and today we're going to look at portions of 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul wrote this to them to set them straight that they were not being a church. They were not together in unity. 
And so this is what he said to them. So uh, look with me in 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul is going to use this image of the human body to illustrate what the church is supposed to be like. The church is not a building. The church is people. And here's how people are supposed to function together. And Paul really likes this image because he wrote the same image to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Colossae, and to the church in Rome. So it's a pretty important image. So let's look at it. Beginning in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And jumping down to verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So, point number one that I told you about earlier is that God designed you for the good of the church. God designed you, not you. You didn't get to choose your gifts. God chose those gifts for you, and those gifts are not for you. You can enjoy them too, but primarily God chose to give you certain talents and services and roles for the good of the church. And the church is the people sitting around you. So we don't get to determine what we're going to do and how, you know, the talents we're going to have. God already determined. And Paul says it's the Holy Spirit who gives you those talents and gifts and even the spiritual gifts so that the whole church can benefit from it. Why does he do that? He does that because he knows what other people need. He knows what the church needs. You might have an idea, but God has a better idea. He sees the big picture. And he has given to you what other people need. He has given to you what other people need. And he does that so the whole church can benefit. Now, some of you, however, don't like what God gave you. You would rather have another talent. Like, I wish I could sing because I just, I love to worship God, but I like to do it privately because I'd probably scare people if I were on the worship team. That's not my gift. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't belong to the church. I, I could serve somewhere else. Some of you have gifts that you really like. But, but then you get to the point where you think you're better than other people and your gift is better than other people. So Paul talked about that too because that's what was happening at the church in Corinth. So let's read on. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 26. So listen to this. Picture this in your mind, okay? So Paul says, Just as a body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Jumping to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Okay, that was uh, Paul taking that metaphor that we are like the body. And each of us has a different role. I mean, the hand doesn't do what the foot does. And the foot doesn't do what the, the, um, you know, the eyes do. We each have our role. So you need to remember that you are unique. You're different from others on purpose. God chose that. He designed you to do what he wants you to do not what he wants someone else to do, because he designed someone else differently because he has a different task for them to do. Some of you think that you're just a little pinky, and if you disappeared, the rest of the hand wouldn't even know, and the body wouldn't know, but if you've ever like, like hit your pinky on something, it hurts, okay? You might be little, but when you hurt and when you're not doing your part, the rest of the body feels it and it knows it. Some of you wish you had different gifts. And I want to say to you, if, when you start wishing you had other gifts, you're basically saying to God, God, you kind of don't know what you're doing because you got to determine what gifts I should contribute to the rest of my brothers and sisters, and I don't like the one you chose for me. So I want you to just stop and think about that. That's pretty daring. But more than that, if you refuse to use the gift God gave you, it means the rest of us miss out. Because it's hard to live without a pinky. Okay? I, I could only count to nine or eight if I miss both of my pinkies, right? And I need all of them, because I do still use my fingers. So you have to see the value that you are unique on purpose. Now, there are some of you who are like, I love being, let's say, the eye, because if I wasn't here, the body wouldn't see. And that's okay. It's great that you like the gift that God has given you and the role that God gives you in the church. What's not right is when you start to say, and I have such an important role, I don't really need the rest of you. Okay? 
Um, and that's what was happening at the church in Corinth, is that people were like, I'm better than you. My gift is better than you. When we come together, my gift should be the one on display. You know, we don't need to smell at church. We just need to see and hear, okay? And we start to choose and look down on other people and their gifts. When we do that, we're basically saying to God, God, you gave this gift to this other person, but we don't need it. And more importantly, I don't need it. The whole church can get by with just my gift. That's essentially what you're saying. So Paul tells us not to look down on each other because the whole body, my body functions best when my meniscus is working well. I used to run marathons, but I stopped because I can't run anymore. That's like a huge thing that has happened in my life because of that tiny little cartilage, okay? Same with you. You might think that your gift, you know, other people's gifts are more important and yours doesn't matter, but it does. Do you know how many people it takes to put up the curtains on a Sunday morning? If it was just one person doing it, it would take a lot longer. So it's those little things. And what you bring is something unique and something that is valuable to the rest of the body. So let me end with 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 12, verse 27. And this is what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. You are the body of river life, and each one of you is a part of it. So maybe for you, the next step is to serve on a ministry team because you make a difference. You will make a difference. God designed you for the good of River Life Church, and you are unique and valuable to River Life. So if this is your next step, on the, communi- on the connection card, there's a place where you could check off some ministries that you're interested in. Uh, there's blanks where you can actually fill in, hey, here's my gift. Here's what I'm interested in. Here's what I'm good at. Can, can you plug me somewhere? So fill it out on your connection card. Or maybe you're like, I really don't know. Come and talk to one of the um, ministry directors or anyone wearing a a name tag, because that means they volunteered this morning, okay? I want to challenge you to take that step to use what God designed you for, for the good of River Life, for the good of your church, because you are unique and valuable to your church. Thank you. Thank you, hon. Mwah. Not often I get to kiss the preacher. Well, there you go. So, so that's, that's number three. And for some of you, that's your next step. For some of you, that's your next step, which is to get involved in a ministry. And it doesn't mean you have to do it every single week. It can be as easy as just doing it once a month, uh, maybe a couple times a month. Uh, whatever you're available to do, we want to work with you. Whatever you're good at, we want to work with you. Okay? So, so that's number three. I'm here to tell you about number four, and that's tell others. Tell others. Okay, now I know there was just a collective groan in the room, 
as you're thinking, you mean evangelize, don't you? I don't really want to do that. I know. I don't want to do that. I don't want to offend my friends. Uh, I don't know the Bible well enough. Or I've seen other Christians evangelize and they're jerks. And I don't want to be a jerk. Okay? Now, those are all very valid concerns. So let's just set aside the word evangelism. Let's just put that aside. And let's just talk about talking. Okay? I have not met a single person who never talks. Now, I, I haven't met anyone who uses sign language and stuff like that as a personal friend, but there are some. But, but it, generally, if you talk to someone, you know, someone who's very quiet in your life, think of someone who's very quiet in your life. I've yet to meet someone who doesn't like to talk about what they like to talk about. The quietest person, and, and I have someone in my mind right now, the quietest person I know if I ask them about 80s television shows, I will not get them to shut up for two hours. We'll be talking Knight Rider and A-Team, all of that stuff for hours. The, that, that is the quietest person I know. And so, and because that's what happens is we talk about stuff we enjoy. We talk about things, some things very easily, other things with great difficulty. And the reason is that because when it comes to, like, evangelism or talking about Jesus, we tend to over-spiritualize that. We tend to make it super spiritual, that only, like, the pastors can talk about Jesus. Or maybe you have to be a leader or you have to be super mature, okay, to talk about Jesus. But see, there's a truth about talking. There's a truth about telling and it's that, it is that telling is a byproduct of growing. Let me say that again. Telling is a byproduct of growing. And it's really easy, okay? And you, we all do this all the time. You want evidence of it? You get an exciting new job. You get a promotion. What are you going to do? You're going to tell someone about it. You get, you get a, a great new outfit, a new pair of kicks. What are you going to do? You're going to post on Facebook. You want to tell people about it. Okay? You get some new clothes. You, you lose some weight, you gain some weight. Okay? Whatever, you, you tell, you talk about it. Because talking, telling is a byproduct of growing. The problem that, that a lot of us have when we think about telling others about anything, especially about Jesus, is we try and turn it into something unnatural to us. Whereas to talk about an awesome thing you did this weekend is probably very natural for you. Because that, can, that awesome thing you did, we, we went boating out on Lake Minnetonka a couple weeks ago and it was great. Okay? I grew a little bit because of that experience. I enjoyed that. I lightened up a little bit. It was very easy to tell people about boating on Lake Minnetonka. Okay? Because telling is a byproduct of growing. And remember one of the themes of this whole thing is that God wants you to grow. And if you are growing, it's actually very easy to tell others about your growing. It might not be easy to tell about the dispensationalist view of the Holy Spirit or, or here are the four theories of revelations or here's why there's evil in the world. No, okay, none of those are easy to explain. But that's not what telling is. What telling is is telling others what God has done 
in your life. It is a byproduct of growing. And when you grow, it's actually very easy. It's very natural to tell others. And we see this all the time in Scripture. I could have put, picked any one of like five or six people that, that Jesus encounters in the Gospels that had their lives changed by Jesus and they could not keep their mouths shut. It was that easy for them. They couldn't not talk. But there's one guy in particular that I want to talk about today. There's one guy, and this is one of the more extreme stories, and that's kind of why I like it. So this is a guy who was possessed Okay, he was demon-possessed, and he was possessed not just by, like, one demon or one evil spirit. It was a whole army of evil spirits. And because of this, he's, he literally had thousands of evil spirits inside him. And because of this, he was out of his mind. He, he, he was crazy. He lived in a graveyard. He ran around naked, clearly chafed and sunburned, because I don't know how you pull that off, Okay. He, he would cut himself with stones, literally grabbing stones and just start slashing himself. He was that crazy. He was that possessed. Okay? The, the local townspeople, you can just imagine a whole bunch of people with like torches and pitchforks. They tried to chain him up. And he would just break chains. He had like superhuman strength. And that was his life. We don't know how long it was going on, but it must have been going on for a while because all the townspeople knew about kind of the freak who lived over in the, the graveyard. And so here's a guy who encountered Jesus. And Jesus healed him. He freed them, freed him of those evil spirits. So Jesus sort of did the, probably was the largest exorcism on record here of a couple thousand spirits, sent him off into a herd of pigs who proceeded to do nosedives off the cliff into the water. But the man was free. And then the most amazing thing happened is the townspeople came out. The townspeople came out and they saw this guy. And I love the phrase. They saw him in his right mind and clothed. Okay. I love out of all the weird stuff he's doing, be like, dude, just put on some clothes, man. No one wants to see that anymore. Okay. Put on some clothes. But imagine all the townspeople come out and here he is sitting in his right mind, fully clothed. And that was because Jesus changed his life. Jesus transformed him <coughs> in an instant. And this man was so grateful. He was so amazed at this. He said, Jesus, Jesus, I want to come with you. Because Jesus and his, and his, his little posse was going to head off. He's like, Jesus, I want to come with you. Can I come with you? And... I want to read Jesus' response and then the guy's response. So here's what Jesus said. So here's this amazing guy who, who believes Jesus and says, I, I want to follow you. And believe it or not, Jesus says no. It's one of the few times where Jesus actually turns away someone who wants to follow him because Jesus had bigger plans. Jesus had bigger plans for this guy. So this is, this is in Mark. It's in the, the book of Mark, chapter 5. We're just going to read a couple of verses because it's just the ending of the story. In Mark 5, 19 to 20. Here you go. So, so he asked, he asked, can I go with you? Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I want to pause right here. Some of you came to River Life 
this morning for this. Some of you need to hear God tell you, go home and tell your family how much love God has for you, how much mercy God has given you, how good God has been to you. Go home and tell your family that. Some of you needed to hear that this morning. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Okay? But, the, but it doesn't end there. Let's go to the next verse. And so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, which were the neighboring cities. Kind of like we're the twin cities. This is the ten cities. That's what Decapolis means. So he went around in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So you want to know what to tell others? Pastors standing up here saying you should tell others. You want to know what you should tell them? Be like this guy. It's nothing fancy. This guy wasn't a super Christian. This guy's not going to end up on, on the, some elder's wall at your church. This guy's going to be the freak in the back that everyone's a little weirded out by because he still has all his scars. But you know what this guy? This was a regular guy who was transformed by Jesus. And telling is a byproduct of growing. So you might be wondering, what do I tell others? Okay, okay, I, I'm open to the telling idea, but what do I tell them? Quite simply, tell them what God's done in your life. Okay? See, the mistake we make when we, think of, when we think of it in evangelism, you know what we have to do? What we think we have to do? We think we have to tell someone else what God wants to do in their life. Stop going to the clubs, stop drinking, stop doing that, stop doing that, and then come to church and give your money to the church and blah, 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 blah. We, we think that's evangelism. That's not. That's being a Christian jerk. Okay, don't be a Christian jerk. Go out there and tell people what God has done in your life. Let God be the one to tell them what they, to do in their life. But go out there, and that's the easiest thing to do when God has transformed you. When God has healed you of a wound, tell someone about it. When you are less angry now than you were a year ago, and that's because of God, tell someone about it. When you actually love going to church, when all your other friends who you grew up with in youth group hate going to church, tell someone that, about that. When your marriage is healthier now than it was a year ago, tell someone about that. When you are less angry, less jealous, less controlling, less pent up, when you are free, when you are healed, Tell someone about it. Again, it's not about telling them what they should do. It's about telling what God has done for you. And you know, and if, and if you're sitting here and you're like, well, I don't know what I would tell. That might me mean that you're not growing right now. And it might mean that you're missing out on what God desires for you. He, what the life, the fullness, the healing, the hope that God desires, you might be missing out on that if you feel you don't have anything to tell. 
And for some of you, you might be feeling that way, and that's okay. That's why we're doing this series, for you to take your next step in growing so that a month from now, two months from now, a year from now, you'll have a story to tell. You'll have a story to tell of a transformed life. You'll have a story to tell how God has healed you, how God has given you hope in a situation where you felt hopeless. God wants to give you a story to tell. And he's going to do that by transforming you, by changing you, by growing you. That's what we mean by tell others. I think the church and Christians as a whole could get a lot better reputation if we stopped telling other people what God wants them to do, or at least what we think God wants them to do, and we spent a whole lot more time being like the guy in the graveyard, simply talking about what God has done in our lives. That is powerful. You don't have to answer all of their questions. There are books for those. There are pastors for those. There are websites for those. You don't have to know all the answers. You can even say, I don't know, when they start wanting to talk to you about old earth and young earth and, and what about biology and evolution and creation and all that. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> There's actually a great story about a guy who, a blind guy who got healed and, and the Pharisees started grilling him, and you know what? And he was like, uh, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, now I see. And they kept grilling. He's like, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, now I see. That's what telling others is. So let's despiritualize that. Let, let's take it off the pedestals of the pastors and the leaders and make it a lot more accessible for us. Every one of us, you've got a story to tell. And if you don't, God wants to give you a story to tell. And it might be a month from now, it might be a couple months, it might be a year from now. You either have a story to tell of how God's transformed you, or God wants to give you a story to tell of how he wants to transform you. So that's, that's number four, tell others. Okay? So we've spent two weeks on these things. So I want to turn it to you. What is your next step? What is your next step to grow? Because God wants you to grow. And the right church community is the best soil for spiritual growth. It is the best soil. And I know I'm biased, but I think we've got a pretty good soil going on here at River Life. I think this is a pretty good place to grow. And we've got ways for you to grow. For some of you, it might just mean I'm going to start attending more than I miss. I'm going to attend more than I miss. That means I'm getting up. Maybe it's, maybe it's going to bed a little earlier or being a little less drunk on Saturday night, which means I'm going to be able to get up for church. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe it means you're going to attend more than you miss. For some of you, it means I'm, I, I want to connect in a life group. And we're going to give you an opportunity to try out a life group for three months. After that, no commitment necessary. After that, you could walk. We won't be offended. But we don't think you will. Because life groups trans transform lives. For some of you, it's serving on a ministry team. It, here's my promise. No matter what you love to do and what you're good at, River Life has a place for you. 
River Life has a place for you. And if we don't have a place for you and you love something and you're good at something, we'll create a place for you. Because God gave you those gifts and he wants you to use them. And he wants you to bless other people with them. And then fourth is tell others. Maybe some of you, you're sort of Christian on the DL. Your family, they kind of know you go to church on Sundays, but that's sort of all you want to say. Maybe some of you need to hear Jesus' command to this guy and say, go home and tell your family how good God's been to you. You don't need to use spiritual language. You don't need to answer all of their questions, but you can tell how good God has been for you. Okay? So that's what growing at River Life looks like. I'm going to close some prayer. The worship team is going to come back up, and then at the end, before is going to come back up and, and tell you a little bit about how you can take your next step in the coming months here at River Life. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have created this thing called church, and it is your desire to bless people with church. It is the best place you've created for us to bless other people, for you to bless people directly and supernaturally and deeply and spiritually, this thing called church. Lord, so I pray for River Life now as, as a whole, not just as an organization, but as a whole body, that we be a great place for you to move, for you to love people, for you to grow people, for you to heal people. Lord, I pray for each person here. Lord, you have a next step for them. I don't. You do. Lord, so speak to each person here. Put something heavy on their hearts as to what their next step to grow in you is all about. Speak to them. Let them know how much you love them. How much that they are forgiven of anything they have done. And how much you desire for their lives. So Lord, give us the courage to take our next steps. Lord, give us ears to hear and a heart to follow. So thank you, God. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.